0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles And, and baseball podcast, Josh Schaefer
1: and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on inside the ravine. How's it going, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me this week, as always, from a brand new location on uh, today's episode of Where's Josh? My co-host, Josh Shaver. So, Josh, um, it looks like you're in the middle of a log cabin somewhere in the beautiful United States of America. It looks like you got a portrait of a uh, duck or something behind you. So... It's a
0: loon. It's a loon.
1: Oh, are, are you by the Great Lakes loons? I, the Dodgers Hi-A affiliate? I,
0: I, I'm not, but I'm oh. closer than you are. Um, I am in That's true. Hackensack, Minnesota for this episode. So um, so yes, we've got a loon right here over my left shoulder. Uh, this is probably the best view I'll ever have while doing um, a podcast. I can see there's an osprey over here swooping down into the lake trying to trying to fish. Last night we saw three bald eagles um, flying around. So, So yeah, so... Pretty, pretty good setting to do the podcast today. Um, and then once the sun comes out, it'll probably go out on the lake before the
1: Home Run Derby starts tonight. I, I'm still trying to – Josh, you said Hacken, Hackensaw? Hackensack. Hackensack. Yeah. Hackensack, yep. Minnesota. Well, hey. That's the spot. Today I, today I learned there's a Hackensack somewhere yes. in this great country. <laughs> and we got a – it's not a duck. It's a loon. Yes, I should know correct. what a loon is because, again, our the Dodgers' high-A affiliate, the Great Lakes loons, but there you go, a loon. Yeah. <laughs> the more you know, I learned about Hackensack and what loons look like. So Exactly. We're, lear- we're learning a lot of things, but, Josh, it's been a while since we recorded our last episode because you were also, as the traveler you are, in Boston- in chatham seen a bunch of future dodgers i'm sure that are eventually going to be top prospects in the system never get called up and then eventually we'll probably get traded so i'm sure years down the road we can talk about all those guys that you got to see firsthand so our first episode in a couple weeks there's a lot to talk about obviously the first half just ended the second half's coming up it's the all-star break but before we talk about everything first half with the dodgers make sure to follow us on social media whatever app you guys use twitter instagram tiktok and youtube at inside the ravine, Josh, are you on Threads yet? Have you am made your way Threads. over to
0: Threads? I am. Okay. I made it like the first day and spent like an hour scrolling, and I don't know if I've been on it since, which is tough. I, I would. Ra- I feel like I, at this point, I would rather be on Threads, um, but but I have not opened it back up.
1: I was going to say so. There's no. We're not on Threads yet. I made a Threads account and I didn't touch it. And I looked the other day and I had like three hundred something followers, and I was like. I don't know how or what transpired because of this, because I have opened it twice, but hey, uh, if you're on Threads, you won't find us there, because we're not over there yet, so stick to Twitter for now, that's easier, and we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, the Odyssey app, if you guys want to tune in and listen to the show. All right, Josh, we have a lot to cover, and I want to start with kind of recapping the first half, because... Again, it's been a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden now, the first half has come and gone. Dodgers are, I think, close to 90 games into the season, so a little more than 50% of the way through. And we've had a number of sky is falling episodes. It seems like there's been more negative discussion than positive discussion through the first half of the season. But, as I tweeted yesterday, with the Diamondbacks losing, the Dodgers, by percentage points, actually end the first half in first place now they're tied technically in the standings but because the diamondbacks have one more loss i think the dodgers winning percentage is like two more points in the d-back so technically they are in first place so josh if i would have told you back in march uh Obviously, we know all the talent the Dodgers lost this offseason, but I saw some graphic the other day during the Dodgers game. They've lost the second most amount of days to the I.L. in all of baseball. Obviously, the names you can go down the list. So between all of those different things, Josh, if I would have told you the Dodgers would have been in first place at the All-Star break, what do you think you would have said? I mean, part of me would say
0: they should be, which I think... I mean, it's interesting because leading up into the show, um, I did a lot of reflecting back on those those early episodes we did and, you know, the players that we picked to be rookie of the year candidates, the players that we picked to all hit at least 20 home runs. I was thinking about that the other day, and my prediction there is actually looking pretty good because, remember, I said it's going to be six guys and it's going to be six specific players. So that one's looking pretty good. But I was looking back, and I think I, I think my my – attitude toward the Dodgers and my expectations have been tempered a little bit. They've been changed a little bit. But for the most part, from our, our first season preview episode to where we're at now, I think do end up kind of lining up. And sure it's because the Dodgers won seven of ten games heading into the All-Star break. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Um, you know, from top to bottom of the lineup. For the most part, everybody's been really surging this last week to two weeks or so, right after a huge slump. So I think that affects my my expectations for the Dodgers a little bit. But Look, I mean, they're in first place as they should be. They have a lineup that's in first place as it should be. Um, but the 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 difference between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks right now is narrow because of all of these injuries, because of how bad you know the pitching has been. So um, I think it's right about where I you know expect them to be at this point, um, given the first sky is falling episode we have. If you would have told me what a month and a half, two months ago, the Dodgers would be in first place um, at the All Star break, but They'd be basically tied. They'd only be up on win percentage. Um, But here's the reasons X, Y, and Z, why they're in that, you know, current situation. I'd say, all right, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So, I mean, I think it's definitely a good sign that they were surging right before the All-Star break, um, and that's kind of where we sit now
1: yeah like you said they're one of the hottest teams in baseball it's like the ultra break honestly came at the worst time because they are playing their best baseball of the season but yeah again you talk about the talent they lost their bullpen being one of the worst in all of baseball all of the guys that have hit the injured list. So if you're saying you go into the All-Star break in first place, given all those circumstances, and, you know, if you were to say you go into the All-Star break with like a seven or eight game lead over the Padres, you definitely would have taken it. It's just the fact that the D-backs are exceeding expectations by just a little, but, yeah, overall, you know, would we like the Dodgers to be a couple games ahead? Obviously, but I'll take first place. Again, technically one game ahead in the loss column. That's one to keep an eye on. But, Josh, we're going to quickly go through... The dodgers offense the dodgers starting pitching and the dodgers bullpen we're going to give them like a first half grade kind of briefly just go over maybe some guys overall how they've performed but i want to start with the offense because this has been i think the reason why the dodgers are in the position that they're at one of the best offenses in all of baseball as we enter the all-star break they are second in all of baseball and home runs with 149 I'd have to do the math on what their pace is, but I want to say at the current pace, they're on pace to break the single-season Dodgers record when it comes to home runs. When you look at WRC+, probably one of the best metrics of determining offensive production, the Dodgers are fourth in all of baseball, and they're the second best in the National League. So, for the most part, Josh, this has been the number two offense in the National League behind the Braves, and one of the top three, four offenses in all of baseball, led by a number of guys, and again, We've seen so many times this year where the starting pitching, the bullpen, they've kind of blown games. They've allowed a lot of runs, but because of the offense, their ability to come back, their ability to score five, six, seven runs on a consistent basis, uh, this is the reason the Dodgers find themselves in this position uh, at the All-Star break.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And really, the biggest difference between the Dodgers and mm. and the Braves right now offensively is sure... I, I, the, the Braves just hit the cover off the ball. I mean, they just crush the baseball. They've got 20 more home runs than the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are pretty comfortably in second in the league in home runs. And they've got 20 more bombs than the Dodgers. So I think that's the biggest difference between the two offenses so far. But the Dodgers, like – I know that people are starting to kind of drift away from like focusing in on you know individual batting averages and, and team batting averages, and I think for the Dodgers, I'm not totally in that spot yet where I want to start drifting away from looking at a batting average. But for the Dodgers here, I, I think they are one of the the teams where you can kind of do that because batting average wise, they're bottom half in the league, but they have the second best or they have the, a top four offense runs scored wise um, they've hit the second most home runs in baseball they're top four in rbis they walk almost more than anybody except for the padres they're second in walks and then their team ops is top three in the league as well um and and, and comfortably so so they're a team that gets on base a lot um, they walk a lot Um, They hit a lot of home runs. The average isn't incredibly high, you know, for a team altogether. And, of course, you've got a few guys that really bring down that average too, guys who've been slumping a little bit. And we'll get to that um, in just a little bit. But really, I mean, you look at the Dodgers lineup um, and you look at really the top five guys. And, you know, when you've got a one-two punch at the top of the lineup like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, you should be in the position that you're at. Your offense should be playing well. And then when you can counter those two guys with players like Will Smith and JD Martinez who's an all-star and having another great season and David Peralta who for whatever reason every time he comes up to me it seems like he doesn't have a ton of great at bats but he's hitting like 275 280 and he's very quietly been one of the Dodgers most consistent hitters all season um when you have a top five and that's not even mentioning you know players like Max Muncy and James Outman who you know have been hitting a lot of home runs for the Dodgers but um it's it's a it's a good thing to have when you've got your top four top five in the lineup as stacked as they are. Um, and I think it's starting to pay dividends for the Dodgers at least coming into the all-star break here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if i had to if I had to rate the Dodgers offense through the first half, it's had its moments of looking poor, but that's baseball. I, i'm I'm giving them an A. I mean, through the first half of the season, the team is where it's at right now because of its offense.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this one I think is also an easy A just because again you mentioned it. Top two to three in every offensive category you can ask for and they've kept the Dodgers alive in so many games. I I'm still A little concerned at the rate they hit home runs, where that's how they're getting majority of their runs. Last time we talked, I know it was something like 52% of their runs come via the home run, which is the most in all of baseball. I mean, if you're you're hitting home runs on a consistent basis, clearly it's working for the Dodgers. But yeah, Josh, looking at the guys in the lineup, obviously Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, they're having all-star caliber seasons. They're having MVP caliber seasons, especially Mookie Betts. The last couple of weeks, he's really emerged, you know, into the MVP conversation. But Will Smith... Maybe the second best catcher in baseball this year, just behind Sean Murphy. He's having the best season of his career. J.D. Martinez, a guy that we've talked about so many times this year in offseason because this was a guy that we were expecting to be a little better than he was in Boston the last couple of years. He's having one of the best years he's had in recent memory. He's an all-star this year. Max Muncy, I know, I think he's still hitting below 200, but the fact that he has, I think, 20 home runs, his WRC Plus is 118, he missed, you know, a couple of weeks. He'd probably be near the leaderboard when it comes to home runs. He's been valuable. And then Jason Hayward, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's been a really solid addition. David Peralta, even if you look at David Peralta's numbers right now, Josh, hitting 283, WRC Plus of 106, like, you'll take those numbers as a whole, but ever since the start of May... He's been one of the top hitters in all of baseball since the start of June, Josh. I don't know if you saw this the other day. He has the second best batting average in all of baseball behind Luisa Rice. So if you take out David Peralta's, you know, really, really bad April, he's been a really, really good addition for the Dodgers as well. And although James Outman, we saw him win rookie of the month in April, he kind of cooled down as of late. Still has a WRC plus of 102. His OPS is just below 800, hitting 236, so that average could come up a little. But over the last couple of weeks, he's kind of fixed some things, kind of turned things around, and he's a is slightly above league average center fielder, so you'll take that as well. There's a couple of players that we'll get to that are probably not meeting expectations, but when you look at all those names that I mentioned... Everyone, pretty much for the most part, those seven—I think—names I, I talked about have all exceeded what we were expecting when we were previewing this team at the start of the year. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I mean, we we talked about guys like Miguel
0: Rojas. That's like if he can if he can bat, just if he can hit like two twenty, two thirty, I'll take it because his glove is going to be the best the Dodgers have had at shortstop in years, and he's you know, he's carried his weight, you know, in in the batting order. Um, And and I think that that's okay. Um, Of course, you've got guys that have gone through slumps, like Miguel Vargas has gone through a really bad slump. Austin Barnes, of course. But James Altman went from having this incredibly hot start to a season to then not having very many good at-bats. But when James Altman can get a hit, I mean, he's a candidate. er, When when James Altman hits a home run, he's a candidate to hit another one and another one and another one and get really hot like that. And and Max Muncy's the same way, so – Um, I think that's what's been so big about the Dodgers offense is because, I mean, it's baseball, like anything can happen on, you know, a game by game basis. That's just it's it's just the one sport where you could have three completely different games in a three game series. And you're not necessarily going to get that in any other sport. But with the Dodgers, you know, for a fact that anybody in the lineup can get into one. Anyone can turn a ball and, and drive it the other way for 400 feet. Like, that's just how this team is kind of constructed and what we've seen year after year after year, regardless of who's in the lineup. And, and right now, they have done a really good job of going out and getting these players who um, I'm not saying are, are getting a second chance, but were guys who maybe didn't have an incredible year last year and, and were brought up to spring training, were signed to a team-friendly deal, and were given an opportunity and have ran with it hence David Peralta, Jason Hayward. Um, and then you bring in guys on you know, what looks to be a steal right now with J.D. Martinez, um, somebody who has been good in the past, is still a relatively big name, but maybe wasn't one of the top guys um, in free agency, at least from a financial perspective. And the Dodgers bring him in too, and he's an all-star. So the way that they've constructed the lineup, I think, for the most part, has been very consistent. There's ways that I think they can sort things out. Um, But I think timely hitting has been really big. And and you've also seen that from the guys who've gotten a few opportunities um, as of late, like Michael Bush hasn't had um, great offensive performances, but had some very timely hits, a few that won games for the Dodgers. Same thing with Johnny DeLuca. I mean, he had the home run the other night um, on on Fourth of July. Um, And a game that probably uh, he should have been the hero from and the Dodgers choked it away in the ninth inning. But again, like you've had those timely hits from the guys who've been called up to get their opportunities and pair that with a Dodgers lineup where the top five has been ridiculously good. And, you know, maybe your bottom four in the lineup has had those timely hits or has had these stretches of being really good. And right now that's combined for one of the best offenses in baseball going into the all-star break.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, so there have been guys that, you know, the production hasn't necessarily been there, but they've had their moments. They've, they've delivered for the Dodgers. I do want to give a quick shout out to Miguel Rojas, just because, again, you look at his numbers as a whole, hasn't been what we were kind of hoping for defensively. He's been fantastic, but over the last month or so, he actually is hitting close to 300. The only issue is he only hits singles, like, he literally is, like, There needs to be like a singles night for Miguel Rojas because he has no home runs on the year, no triples, only 11 doubles, so it's like he's being productive, like he's been great the last month, it's just all of his other numbers aren't great because he's only really getting singles for the most part, but Josh, the crazy thing is, I know the Dodgers, a lot of people gave them a lot of flack for their offseason, didn't make a whole lot of moves, but between J.D. Martinez, David Peralta, and Jason Hayward, that's a combined... I think $17 million for three players that have been fantastic for the Dodgers. So uh, that's probably those three guys for $17 million. I mean, again, we we say J.D. Martinez is the biggest bargain in baseball. And then you look at David Peralta, who's making half of that. He's the biggest bargain in baseball. Then you look at Jason Hayward, who has his best numbers essentially since his rookie season – and the Dodgers are paying him like I think $700,000, $800,000. So, three insane bargains. They've been great for the Dodgers. Again, a couple guys hopefully will turn things around, but yeah, like like we've talked about every everything uh, probably better than we could have asked for for these guys 1 through 9 in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, it's I mean, we're going to look really foolish and I think a lot of people are if the Dodgers don't make an aggressive a, a, a an aggressive push for Shohei. Um Let's just say in the offseason at this point. um, If the Dodgers don't try to bring in Shohei Otani in free agency, um, then I think you're going to kind of question a lot of the moves that they've made in in this past year. Well, some of those moves have been these bargain moves to bring in, okay, let's bring in J.D. Martinez and David Peralta and Jason Hayward because this season we want to be good, we want to be competitive, we want to make a push. But next year we want to have a lot of money saved up. We don't make any huge splashes in free agencies that we can go after, go all in on Shohei Otani in free agency next year if the Angels don't try to trade him this year. Um, so we make these bargain moves and hope they pay out, pay out for us. And right now they have, um, in, in, in a huge way. Um, and all three of those guys have been a huge part of the Dodgers offense so far this season, because again, I mean, you know, David Peralta is not killing the ball, um, but he's getting on base. JD Martinez is killing the ball. And then you have a guy like Jason Hayward, who, like you said, is having his best season since he was a rookie. Um, so these three guys, a combined 17 million, that's all you spent in free agency on essentially, you know, position players and it's worked out for them um, in the long run, or at least so far, we'll see if it works out in the long run, but right now it has. Um, and that's a big reason why the Dodgers are, are, are where they're at. And, and again, why I've given the offense uh,
1: an A grade through the first half of the season yeah so again offense on pace towards being one of the best we've seen in the history of the dodgers we're going to take a quick break when we come back josh we're going to be grading the starting pitching and the bullpen and i think it's safe to say those two are not going to be getting an a all right we are back josh let's start with the starting rotation just because you know They haven't been worse than the bullpen, but the starting rotation hasn't been great for the Dodgers. Now, in their defense, I think they've had like 12 guys or so make a start for them at some point this year. They haven't had the reliable starting five, but entering the all-star break, they are 19th in starters ERA, 4.55. When it comes to expected FIP, the Dodgers are again right near the middle. I think they're currently 13th. Uh, when it comes to strikeouts per nine innings the dodgers are all the way down to 20th not striking out a whole lot of guys so kind of middle of the pack maybe slightly below league average but again outside of clayton kershaw josh this starting rotation has gotten really nothing out of anyone julio I know he had a start, you know, a couple days ago that was his best adding of the year. He was bad. He missed a couple of months. Obviously, the Noah Syndergaard experiment hasn't worked out. Tony Gonsolin, he missed a month. His numbers really took a hit once he came back. Dustin May, out for the season. Uh, you know, rookies like Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, they were great when they came up. They've kind of regressed a little. Michael Grove, that experiment hasn't gone really as planned. So, like I said, outside of Clayton Kershaw being another all-star caliber kind of guy... The starting rotation has just been depleted with injuries. They've sucked. But yet, like I said, with all those numbers, they're right in the middle of the pack. But I, I do think Clayton Kershaw being Clayton Kershaw kind of skewed those numbers just a tad. So Josh, what grade would you give the uh, starting rotation through the first half? So here's the thing. I'm going to give it a C plus. And the reason why is
0: because we've seen those flashes of, you know, impressive starts. Um, like you said, it goes without saying that Clayton Kershaw has been vintage Kershaw this season. He's been remarkable. Ten wins already, a 10.55 ERA. He's an all-star. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is good. His whip is good. His opposing batting average against is good. I mean, across the board, Clayton Kershaw has been the Dodgers' best pitcher this season. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. I'd say easily across both leagues, he's been a top, four top five pitcher in baseball this season, you know, as a starter. Um, the problem is that with everybody else, like, we expected Julio to be so good. We expected Julio to be in the Cy Young conversation again. And I think you and I have both come out and said, like, love Sandy Alcantara. I thought Julio should have won it last year. But this year, he's just been bad. and it's And it hasn't even been close to where our expectations were um Dustin May has missed a lot of time he's now out again uh Tony Gonsolin has really been hit or miss for me because there have been some times when he's looked pretty good and then there have been some times where you know he gives up a couple of runs and for the most part like I, I feel like so many Tony Gonsolin starts have been go out there and just get us a couple of quality innings and the quality innings result in you know him getting beat up a little bit but then surviving long enough for the offense to get going so it's like he hasn't been lights out. He's just been okay enough. But then we have the unbelievable start from Emmett Sheehan. We have the awesome starts from Bobby Miller as well. And, and those have started to catch up with him a little bit. But for the most part, the lineup or the, 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 the starting rotation as a whole just has not been good enough. Cindergard has been hurt. And when he's pitched, he's been really bad. Um, you know, you've had, like I said, Julio's been bad. Michael Grove had the best outing of his career the other night. And he still got hit for four runs. Um, And it was in a blowout game that it was like, okay, we can let him stay in a little bit and see what happens. And still then the Dodgers see him give up four runs. Um, So, you know, Michael Grove has not been consistent. Julio has not been consistent. Um, Really just as a whole, you really don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis because, you know, Kershaw is going to be good. But then every time you have a guy like Gonsolin or, Julio Urias go into pitch. You think that, okay, this could be the night where you see them shut them down and you don't necessarily see that. Um, And I feel like we have seen way more bullpen games this season than we have in a long time for the Dodgers, at least this early in the season. And yep, it happens. Injuries happen. The Dodgers are plagued by injuries um, from top to bottom this year. Like you mentioned, they've what missed the second most games or have the second most games on the IL uh, um, this season. So look like, They've had to deal with that. But as a whole, just because they've been so inconsistent, um, I'm going to go low, but I'm not going to go as low because we've seen those few bright spots where obviously Kershaw's been lights out every single time he's pitched. Um, and then, of course, um, you've had a couple of those big outings from, from some of the younger guys. So I'll give him a C+, plus, um, but I will say um, I think that that's being a little generous. Not too generous, but a little generous.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's tough because, again, with those numbers, middle of the pack, I think a C C C-plus is fair. But, again, if you take Clayton Kershaw's numbers out, I don't know what that would do to them. But they would probably take them really bad because, again, everyone has, for the most part, when the, you look at their season as, as a whole, been very bad. So, uh, Josh, I'm probably going to go C-minus just because I think a D-plus is a little too harsh. But let's just take Kershaw out of the equation – Who's been the the best starter for the Dodgers? Like I guess Dustin May, you know, prior to him getting hurt, his numbers were pretty solid. He has the second highest WAR among the pitching staff, and the dude hasn't pitched in nearly two months. But outside of Dustin May, like, has it been Tony Gonsolin who has a three point eighty six ERA? Like, that's that's been your next best guy. So that just goes to show, kind of, what the state is. And again. Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, these were guys that were expected to contribute at some point later in 2023. They've been just thrown into the fire, even with Gavin Stone as well. He's a name I kind of forgot to include. He struggled, you know, because he hasn't necessarily had the time to develop. So the Dodgers are relying heavily on those three rookies. And hopefully they'll get some guys back. They could send those guys back to the minors, give them some more reps down there. Uh, Josh, one final thing I want to touch up on before we move to the bullpen, and that is Michael Grove. We were joking about this yesterday, and that's that Michael Grove needs to have some sort of new nickname about Mr. Four Earned Runs, because it doesn't matter how many innings this guy pitches, he's going to allow four earned runs. If you go back to June 3rd, Josh, June 3rd, Michael Grove has appeared in seven games. Six of those games, he's gone more than two innings. So he came out of the bullpen for two innings in one game, actually looked great against the Astros. We're going to throw that one out of the equation because it was only two innings. Against the Yankees on June 3rd, Josh, five innings, four earned runs. June 9th at the Phillies, four innings, four earned runs. June 15th against the White Sox, five innings, four earned runs. I think I think we're noticing a bit of a trend here, Josh, but just you wait. June 28th at Colorado, four earned, four five earned. innings, four earned runs. Oh, uh, okay. And this past weekend, Josh, he came out of the bullpen against the Angels and actually went six innings, his longest outing of the season. Four? Four earned runs. Yeah. So... At this rate, maybe push him to go eight or nine because if you're getting eight or nine innings out of him, we'll take four runs. But Michael Grove, you're getting four and runs out of him. He'll look great. He'll have an inning or two where he looks fantastic, but you're getting four and runs out of him. So, yeah. If you go six or seven innings, that's fine. But for Michael Grove, he's going a lot less. So, Josh, yeah, the certain rotation hasn't been great. Let's go to something that's been even less great, and that is the Dodgers' bullpen. Now, luckily, over the last couple of weeks, they have been able to turn things around quite a bit. Their numbers aren't necessarily where they were a couple weeks ago when they had the second-worst bullpen ERA in all of baseball, the worst bullpen ERA since the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles. There was a point, Josh, where a couple weeks ago they had the worst bullpen ERA since Jackie Robinson's rookie season that's how bad the bullpen was so right now they are 23rd when it comes to bullpen era 4.43 uh when you look at strikeouts per nine they are at 12th uh let's see when you look at walks per nine the dodgers are all the way at 22nd which actually is a good thing because the lower you are actually the better you've been so not walking a whole lot of guys striking out kind of you know whatever but for the most part still not great i mean this was the dodgers strength i think when we started the season we were talking about like what do we think is the dodgers biggest strength and i think we both actually said their bullpen because on paper their bullpen looked like it would be fantastic well when you have more than half of your guys hit the il at any point things are going to you know go off and be a little stressful but taking everything into account josh again all the injuries all the guys that have struggled what would you give the bullpen era at the end of the first half
0: well, you know, I would agree with you that they have not been very good. In fact, I would go as far as saying they've been bad. Um, <laughs> you're right. The numbers are not as bad as they were even a week ago because the bullpen has started to get it done. You know, we've used that that meme on our social media accounts with the, you know, I wasn't familiar with your game and I apologize with the Shaq meme. That It's good because it's funny because it's like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly how it is. Every time the starter's out of the game, we think game's over. And, you know, we've seen that time and time again this season. for And for good reason, that's the way that Dodger fans feel. Look, kind of going back to what you said, they don't walk a ton of guys, which is good. They strike out a lot of guys. I mean, the Dodgers bullpen has the fourth highest not strikeout rate, but strikeout number in all of baseball this year, which is funny because you look at the company that they're in, um, and uh, the company that they're in is, like, with the Giants and and uh, the, uh, the, the Orioles, two teams that have actually had really good bullpens this season. And the Dodgers' bullpen does strike a lot of guys out, but a lot of guys get on base. Um, the opposing batting average against at one point was, like, over 275 or 280 or something. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, and, and you're right, it has gotten better, and the, there have been a lot of guys missing a lot of time on the IL. Um, but the problem for me is that going into this season on paper, the Dodgers' bullpen was going to be incredibly similar to last year when it was lights out, if not better, with some of the guys that you have added in. And right now the expectations were so high, at the start of the season. And now the expectation is so incredibly low. I've got to give it a D. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go down and say F just because they've had these little bright spots kicked in by Phil Bickford's three scoreless extra inning, you know, that that three scoreless innings um, in extras a couple of weeks ago against the twins. And then after that, the bullpen kicked into gear for like five games and then went straight back down to rock bottom again, and then came all the way up and was great. And then went straight back down to rock bottom. So it's the inconsistency that gets me. It's the predictability that gets me in the later innings. And then, you know, it's just for me, there have been some of those outings, but it's just not consistent enough. So for me, I'm going to give it a D um, I, I think that there is room for improvement, and I think that if the Dodgers' starting rotation gets a little bit healthier, then maybe you see more guys push to the bullpen, and maybe that works out for the Dodgers in the future. I, again, we've said like maybe there's an opportunity like that. Bobby Miller ends up in the bullpen later this season, or Emmett Sheehan comes back and you know is is in the is in the bullpen. Maybe we have guys um, that have been in the rotation to some extent, or or if Michael Grove sticks around, you put him in the bullpen. Different things like that, where. Um, you can push guys back. I know that before he got hurt, we said maybe one last chance for Noah Syndergaard is to put him in a bullpen role and see what you can get out of him in this small window rather than asking him to start games for you. Maybe that helps improve the bullpen. Maybe that helps improve Noah Syndergaard a little bit. But right now, the bullpen has been bad, hasn't been nearly consistent enough. And for me, that's been the, the, the black mark on the Dodgers season so far. Because if you had a bullpen that was not in the bottom Right now, we'll say bottom, what, seven or eight? Well, you said they're
1: 23rd, right? Yeah, I think 22nd or 23rd. So yeah, 23rd bottom, after this last series third. against the Angels,
0: right? So, so, you know, 22nd or 23rd in baseball. But for the most part, this season was in the bottom three bullpens in baseball. The Dodgers would be more than .02 percentage points ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks in first place in the NL West. I mean, they could be several games ahead. I mean, think about how far ahead of the Padres they are right now. They'd be... Double that if the bullpen had been even halfway decent, you know, through the first half of the season. But because they've been so bad, I'm giving them a D, and they are where they're they're at, you know, with their record this season. Sure, they're still in first place, but um it was funny. Like we talked about this the other day. I went to a twins Orioles game the first day I was up here, and the Orioles record is like better than the Dodgers. And they're not even in first place. Granted, the Rays are really good, but like you've got a you've got a lot of second place teams in baseball that are ahead of the Dodgers and and the black mark has been because of the bullpens inconsistency and late game you know relief so um for me it's a d and hopefully it improves in the second half and hopefully they get healthier
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been like, I don't have their blown saves or blown holds or anything like that, but there have been a number of games where the bullpen has blown the game for the Dodgers. I mean, there was that stat a couple of weeks ago we talked about where it was like the Dodgers have the most losses this season when scoring, I think it was like seven or eight runs a game. It was was something like that, but the bullpen has definitely cost them a lot. I wish I had this number in front of me because I saw it on the broadcast the other day, Josh, but it was something crazy like in wins the Dodgers' bullpen has the lowest ERA in all of baseball. And in losses, the Dodgers' bullpen has the highest ERA in baseball. So obviously your ERA is going to be a lot worse in losses. But the fact that they go from the best when they win to the worst when they lose, that literally just goes to show our example that they're literally hit or miss. If they're good, the Dodgers are unstoppable. If they're bad, the Dodgers cannot win a single game for the most part. Like that, that, that's exactly what it is. It's like, it, it seems like every single
0: time the Dodgers win a game, we we talk about, oh my God, wait, hold up. I just noticed the bullpen had three scoreless innings. tonight. That's great. But then they lose and you're like, typical bullpen, blowing in another game. Like, it, it was the same thing the other, I mean, it was literally back-to-back games. You had the game on the fourth where the bullpen blows the game in the ninth inning against the Pirates. And then the next night you're like, whoa, the bullpen had four scoreless innings. It's crazy. It's that every single yeah. night. It's hit yeah. or miss or miss or hit, literally. I guess pitching, you'd rather have the miss. But look, it's it's every single night. So the fact that the bullpen's ERA in wins is the best in baseball and the worst in losses, you'd think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But for the Dodgers, that's really how it's been this year.
1: Yeah, and the reason it's been also so bad this year, Josh, would you like to take a guess as to how many different players have come out of the bullpen for the Dodgers in 2023? Again, this is coming out of the bullpen at any point. So that includes guys like Michael Groh.
0: So that includes games with an opener.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say over 25. You're almost right on the money. 24 guys. Wow. They've had 24 different relievers. Now, granted, uh, Yanni Hernandez was one. uh, Luke Williams was one. So I guess (laughs) if you want to go pitcher-wise, 22 is the number. But... Normally, Josh, on any given season, I mean, obviously you're going to have guys that hit the I.O., but the fact that we're halfway through the year, as Josh's mic goes off, so he's probably going to have to go get it, 22 different arms, that's incredible. It just goes to show how many guys have been on the IL, how many guys have been hurt. But, Josh, I mean, at the end of the day, when this bullpen is fully healthy, like what we were expecting, we're not going to have guys like Nick Robertson or Taylor Scott or... Respectfully. Or, you know, Brian (laughs) Hudson or Wander Suaro or, you know, Justin Brule, Phil Bigford, maybe like these guys aren't probably going to be in your bullpen. Phil Bigford, maybe might be your like last guy in the pen, like your absolute low leverage reliever. But he's, it's at the point where the Dodgers bullpen, Phil Bickford's like the number three guy, the number four yep. guy. So hopefully some guys can get healthy. I mean, Evan Phillips has been great. The numbers actually support Bruce Dark-Ratterall. Caleb Ferguson has actually, you know, really turned things around lately. Uh, Josh, I'm looking right now when it comes to just war. Would you like to take a guess as to who the fourth most valuable reliever has been for the Dodgers? Evan Phillips is one, Gratterall is two, Ferguson is three. So not those guys, but would you like to take a guess as to who the fourth most valuable reliever has been so far this year? Shelby Miller. Unfortunately, no, Josh. (laughs) Uh, According to this, you've provided the exact same value to the team that Shelby Miller has (laughs) with a 0.0 war. I'll take it. So we're just as valuable, Josh. Josh, we've actually, though, for the Dodgers, we've provided more value than Jake Reed, Wander Suaro, Andre Jackson, and Dylan Covey. We've provided well, more value Reed than those guys. Jake is a guys. Dodgers
0: legend, though. Jake Reed just absolutely wears it for the Dodgers. He's like a guy that you're like, hey, someone's, they're definitely
1: going to throw at us. We're going to throw you up, and you're going to get hit. <laughs> That's Jake Reed. I think he has, like, four stints with the Dodgers over the last two years. Yeah. And he'll probably have a fifth soon at some so point. Oh, I'm sure but, he uh, will. I'll give you a hint, though. It's a guy that was recently added to the team about a month ago.
0: Added to the team a month ago. God, uh, added to... Is it Robertson?
1: No, it's a guy that you've only seen a handful of times, but it just goes to show how bad the bullpen's been. He's provided the fourth most value, and that is Ryan Brazier.
0: Ryan Brazier,
1: who Dodgers... There might be Dodgers fans out there who still... They might hear that name and go, who's Ryan Brazier? Because he only has nine innings under his belt. But in his nine innings of work, Josh, he's the fourth most viable reliever, more than Victor Gonzalez, uh, Alex Vesia, Phil Pickford, Justin Brule, all these guys that have come up for the Dodgers. Ryan Brazier, in nine innings of work, the fourth best reliever on the Dodgers this year. I don't think that's supposed to be a compliment, but for his sake... It is. So Ryan Brazier, you're the fourth most valuable reliever. I think I gave it a great. I can't remember, Josh, but in case I didn't, I think I also agree with you in a D plus. I'll give the bullpen yeah. a D plus. But if you take their work over the last three weeks, maybe like a B, because they've been really good as of like. They had like a 20 consecutive scoreless Indian streak, I wanna say, recently after that Angels series. So things are turning around, things are looking good, they'll be getting guys back. So Re- recap and josh i'm going to try my best to remember i think for the offense i gave an a i, I want to say you gave an a minus i think no a for the i'll give him a. a so for the starting rotation i think i gave a c minus you gave a c plus yep and then for the bullpen we both agree d plus so- i said d oh d okay so i'll be i'll be we're, slightly we're all, better we're
0: not we're not that far off for any of them really
1: yeah kind of kind of similar but hey first half's coming on and again josh a D for the bullpen, a C for the starting rotation, but still they're in first place by a couple percentage points. Just goes to show things can get a whole lot better in the second half of the Dodgers. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're just going to be talking about the latest news surrounding the Dodgers, and we'll be wrapping it up answering a couple of questions from our fans. Alright, Josh, a couple of news pieces to get to, because again, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded our last episode. We're gonna start off with one that absolutely sucks. This one is just it sucks. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. We didn't even get to record an episode talking about Daniel Hudson coming back. Cause I think you were in Boston when he returned when the Dodgers were in Kansas City. So the Dodgers got Daniel Hudson back. He missed more than a year with an ACL injury. Was fantastic for the Dodgers in 2022, this was a much-needed high-leverage arm that the Dodgers were going to be getting back, I believe he appeared in three outings, three scoreless outings, had a lot of strikeouts, looked great, his last outing was fantastic, loaded the bases with no outs, ended up coming out of it untouched, got a strikeout to end it, and the next day, Josh, it comes out, he tore his MCL in his other leg, not his ACL leg, and he hasn't officially been ruled out for the season but anytime the dodgers say a guy is hopeful to return at some point in the year things aren't looking good so he finally comes back is back for one week and just like that the dodgers going to be without potentially could have been their second best reliever for maybe the rest of the season
0: yeah uh we didn't we didn't even get to talk about it and there's a couple of injuries we really haven't even been able to talk about but yeah it's it's Definitely disappointing for the Dodgers because he had seemed like some guy that they actually were able to rely on, um, and it was one of the guys that maybe you didn't expect going into the season. Um, but for the most part, he had been a reliable, you know, asset for for the Dodgers, especially you know in the bullpen. And uh, disappointing that you know, to me, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, I don't know anything, but obviously this one looks like it could be, you know, um, a, a long term thing. Obviously, so um, with him likely being done for the year um disappointing for the Dodgers but again you know they've had that you know I guess the next man up kind of mentality but that's kind of how it's been all season like every time somebody gets hurt somebody needs to fill that role and then they're still kind of in the same spot
1: so I mean again hopefully I I guess it is kind of good news as the mic goes
0: falling again I I caught it though this time I did that
1: he did that he did so I guess it is slightly good news that they didn't officially say he is out for the season I know MCLs have different kind of recovery Periods, but we are in the middle of July, so hopefully it's maybe less than two months. He can come back for September because the Dodgers do need Daniel Hudson. I think they missed him during the postseason last year. I think they clearly missed him in the first half this year. Hopefully he's able to return. I'm optimistic, but again, it it doesn't sound too encouraging. And again, Josh, you can make the case as to which one's worse. This one I don't think is as bad just because I kind of already ruled him out for 2023, but Dustin May is officially now out for the 2023 season. There was still some hope that he would return if there would have been positive news from his last scan or test results that happened about a week ago, but the official injury is the fact that he's going to undergo surgery to repair the flexor tendon in his right elbow. I guess, again, if you want to find a positive, it's not Tommy John's surgery, but again, the Dodgers came out and said, we're hopeful he's able to return midway through next season so not only is the rest of this year wiped out the first half of next season is essentially wiped out and it sounds like if everything goes well he'll be back right at the middle of the season but as we've seen with these kind of injuries there could be you know setbacks there could be delays there could be issues so there might be a chance josh we don't see dustin may towards the later end of next season maybe even not at all in 2024 which is just another massive blow to a guy that just literally came back last year from a year and a half out of Tommy John surgery.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's spent more time away from the Dodgers than with them, um, and that's what's disappointing, and, and it kind of begs the question. This is a whole different conversation that we can have on another show, but it kind of begs the question, like, is it time to move on from a guy who has continued to be that injury-prone despite how good he's been when he's healthy um, because – We've seen it in the past, where you know he's out, comes back immediately, has an impact. Um, his, his stuff is nasty. I mean, he when he's healthy, I mean, he's got he's he's he looks untouchable. But with a guy who has missed more time than he's logged with the team over the last what two years, two and a half years, um, it seems like um, it, it, it seems like the Dodgers maybe could look elsewhere for a little bit more consistency. Not even just from a production standpoint, but from a playing standpoint, from a pitching standpoint, from an inning standpoint, because, you know, I, I feel awful for the guy because he's so good. And I feel awful because he spent so much time just rehabbing and trying to recovery from injury after injury. Um, but, you know, again, the Dodgers need somebody who's going to be reliable.
1: And right now he just hasn't been. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a few minutes ago, he has the second best war in the, when it comes to Dodgers pitchers, and he hasn't pitched in two months. It just goes to show how good he was prior to him getting hurt, you know, the middle of May, whenever that was. But yeah, I, I agree, Josh. Whether it's converting him to a reliever full-time, I just don't think he you can count on him to be a starting pitcher. Whether it's making him throw different pitches now, I don't know if it has to do with certain pitches with the way his arm looks because when you look at that, his pitching wind up in slow motion, it's funky and you can kind of understand why his arm is just yeah. getting absolutely blown out. So... I think some changes have to happen if he's a reliever i mean that's fine he has the you know the pitches to be a dominant reliever but yeah dustin may's time as a starting pitcher for the dodgers seems like it probably will come to an end because i mean he's still fairly young i think he's 25 26 something like that but he's gonna have two lengthy surgeries by the time he comes back at the age of 26 27 which isn't necessarily great and i'm sure his velocity might be down whenever he returns so Sucks for Dustin May. Like I said, I don't think it's that much of a blow because I don't think we were expecting him to return this year anyway. It's just the fact that he's going to miss at least half of next year that uh, that sucks as well. Another thing of injury news, Josh, is Chris Taylor. He's been kind of on the injury list the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think he went on the aisle probably before we recorded our last episode. It sounds like he's going to return this weekend. So that's at least some bit of good news. So hopefully he's able to return because he's been great this year against left-handed pitching provides the Dodgers some more versatility when it comes to shortstop. Cause Miguel Rojas has had, you know, been getting a lot of the reps there along with Mookie Betts. And one final one is Clayton Kershaw where it was a weird incident in Colorado where he pretty much removed himself from the game. They were kind of really quiet on what exactly the injury was, Luckily, it sounds like they avoided worst-case scenario. He's only going to miss one start, and he should be back after the All-Star break as well. So, Kershaw's going to be back. Chris Taylor's going to be back. When it comes to injuries, that's pretty much it. But we did get some pretty interesting news yesterday, Josh, on the Dodgers' day off. And that's the fact that they optioned Miguel Vargas down to AAA. Now, he's struggled pretty much over the last month and a half, two months. Hasn't been a good 2023 season for him, but... The, the Dodgers were expecting a lot out of him. We were expecting a lot. He was a guy that I said could potentially win Rookie of the Year. Over the... I mean, he's hitting 195 on the season, Josh. Again, I know we don't like to talk about batting average being everything, but you can't hit below 200. At least Max Muncie saves you by hitting 20 home runs. Miguel Vargas hasn't been doing that. And he's hitting 079 over his last 23 games. So Miguel Vargas goes down. They're going to give him some reps in Triple A. What do you think of the move, Josh? Do you think it's the right call to send him down to triple-A, or do you think the Dodgers maybe should have just wrote it out, hope that he figures things out at the big league level? Uh, you know what?
0: Look, when they announced the move, um, they didn't announce a corresponding move. So maybe you send him down, and look, I mean, it also sounds like like you mentioned Chris Taylor is going to be back soon. Maybe that's a corresponding move because you can shift some guys around. Um You know, obviously, Chris Taylor's a utility guy. You can play pretty much anywhere, too. So that allows you to switch the defense around. And um, it it shifts the defense around. You know, somebody can take Miguel Vargas' spot. Um, He just hasn't been there. Um, He hasn't been consistent. Um, You know, he's figured out ways to get on base. But really, the last month and a half, um, he's been the Dodgers' worst hitter who's consistently in the lineup. So, I'm, I'm okay with them sending him down. Maybe Chris Taylor is that corresponding move because he's been playing um, in, in Rancho. Um, so, I, I, sometimes I feel like you guys, like the guy just needs to get at bats, you know, if he's struggling too. It was the same thing with Muncie, right? Like we had talked about with Muncie um, that when Muncie was struggling, get him at bats because, first of all, he's going to get into a baseball at some point and he's going to hit it up 1,000 feet. Um, but ultimately like he just needs to get more at bats and get more reps so that he can start having better at bats so that he can get into more of a rhythm and look, Miguel Vargas has had that. He already had that. And, and right now it just wasn't working. So send him down, let him figure out the swing a little bit more, get into a little bit more of a rhythm and then come back up for the Dodgers. Um, and then see what you can get in a couple of weeks. So, so I'm okay with it. I don't think he's going to stay down there for a long time. Um, but yeah, and you know, we'll see what that corresponding move is because of course we've seen Michael Bush already this year. Um, Chris Taylor obviously is looking like he's going to come back. So, you know, that corresponding move will, you know, be announced, but it wasn't right away. And I think that that's fine going into the all-star break.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't think the Dodgers would have the balls to actually do it just because usually when it comes to guys like this, they don't do it. They just let them ride it out. It'd be one thing if he's been struggling. You know, James Almond struggled early in the year, but it's the fact that he's been, like you said, the worst hitter. I mean, Austin Barnes has been bad, but Barnes plays once a week. Like, he's not really killing you by going 0-3 once a week. Nego Vargas is in the lineup five, six days a week, and he's been providing literally nothing for the last month of the season and, again, for the season as a whole. And his numbers, when you look at his percentiles, Josh – 13th percentile when it comes to average exit velocity 12th percentile when it comes to hard hit percentage his expected batting average is six percentile his expected slugging percentage is 13th percentile he's walking into great rate he's not striking out defensively he has him an ideal as well it's kind of like with David Peralta earlier in the year when he really struggled through April, but all of his advanced numbers suggested that he was just getting extremely unlucky and it was kind yeah. of like, okay, he'll turn things around. Well, clearly that happened. With Miguel Vargas, it's just the advanced numbers aren't supporting him at all. They're supporting that he's been a bottom 10 15% player in all of baseball. So you send him down, maybe work on some swing changes, maybe work on some tweaks there, give him consistent at-bats in AAA, see what happens, and when it comes to what the corresponding move is going to be obviously chris taylor is going to come back but i think they can send johnny deluca down in favor of chris taylor and then bring up michael bush now obviously michael bush didn't put up you know fantastic numbers when he was with the dodgers had a few timely hits here and there but for the most part his numbers were kind of underwhelming but granted i think he had maybe 40 plate appearances give michael bush a chance to see what he can do as an everyday guy for a couple of weeks worst case scenario he's just as bad as Vargas, you call Vargas back up, and maybe you rotate him, but what if Michael Bush, for a two-week stretch, hits 280, hits a couple of home runs, posts a WRC plus of 115 or 120, all of a sudden you might have your second baseman that you can rely on, and I think it's a smart move for the Dodgers, because at this point, Michael Bush, he has like an OPS above 1000 in AAA, he has nothing left to prove there, he has to prove that he can do it on the big stage, whereas Miguel Vargas, I think he has like 400 plate appearances going back to last season. So he hasn't been a good big leaguer yet. So I I like that the Dodgers did this. I think they did this at a perfect time during the all-star break and again hopefully it's able to get him right because if the dodgers can get the miguel vargas that they were expecting to get a guy that was the triple a player of the year last year in the minors a guy that has hit above 300 in every level he's played for if they can get that miguel vargas it's going to make this lineup that much deeper so it'll be interesting to see how long he's down there for the most part i can't expect it to be more than a couple of weeks but again if i were to guess they haven't made the move official i think maybe a johnny deluca or a yoni hernandez they might get sent down Bring up Michael Bush. Michael Bush should be up anyway right now. I don't know why they have Yoni Hernandez up, why he's been up these last couple of weeks, because he's provided nothing. Like, you have no upside with him at all. So bring up Michael Bush. This will remain a Michael Bush-stan account. But, yeah, I I think it was the right call. Again, you can't get any worse than what he was getting. He was at no 79. That's 79 points higher than what we're hitting, Josh. Yeah. So, not good. So, hopefully it works (laughs) out for the Dodgers. Hopefully turn things around. But I think outside of that, that's the latest news. I think we've gone through everything, for the most part. Um, Josh, we're gonna do a quick Q and A. We have a couple of questions. We'll quickly go through those, and we're gonna wrap up the show doing a quick home run derby bracket for tonight's home run derby. So, our first question actually is in regards to Miguel Vargas, Josh. This comes from this is Kyle. Do you think Miguel Vargas still gets optioned if we're hovering hovering around third place in the division? So, if the Dodgers were a little worse in the standings, do you think they still option him? Yes.
0: Yep, I think so.
1: I think so too. I, I think even if they were five or six games, then they would be they would be down there as well. Uh, depressed Dodgers fan, do you think the Dodgers try and trade for Cody Bellinger? Would you Would no. you be on board with that, Josh? No, nope, I don't think.
0: I don't think that happens. Um, uh, what I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a hater, but no, I wouldn't be on board for that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be. Um, like I just, I just feel like there's no need to.
1: Yeah, I, I'm like, if it happens, it happens. Cody Bellinger's actually been really good this year, but. The Dodgers don't really need another outfielder at this point unless there's, like, an injury. Maybe if, like, Peralta or Jason Hayward get hurt, maybe they think about it. But I think as of right now, they're uh, they're pretty good. Uh, or, if they, or if
0: they had the plans, that, and, you know, we've kind of floated this idea out there, too. If they had, you know, motive to just move Mookie Betts to the infield full-time, then maybe they would go for something like that. But, I, you know, I just don't see them. Making a move like that, like I it, it just, I, I don't see it happening. And just because he was just here, I understand what his resume looks like, and I understand how good he's been this season. But the reason I'm not on board is just because I don't see the need for them to do that. Now, if they did commit to a moving Mookie to the infield full time, then sure. But that just seems still like a like a quick decision to just mid season decide Mookie Betts is a full time infielder, and now we're going to trade for an outfielder. That right. just doesn't seem like a like a sustainable option. So, no, I'm not on board, and no, I don't see that happening.
1: We have time for two more questions. This one's from Roe Knows. Which one of the stud arms will get the call-up to start next? I know Landon Knack was on the taxi, but he was projected to be used out of the pen. Enlighten us. Uh, Yeah, Josh, every rookie is starting for the Dodgers this year. Landon Knack, another one. He was placed on the taxi squad a couple days ago. Sounded like he might be called up. So, I guess Landon Knack is probably next in line. But the way things are going, Josh... It might be another rookie at this rate.
0: Yeah, I believe he was in L.A. as well. Um, So had kind of seen, you know, some things of him around town. So um, I I think, you know, I I know that, you know, the intention might be to ultimately use him out of the pen, but even if it's using him as an opener, too, um, I I don't think that would be, you know, super outlandish. So um, for me, I think it's I think Landon Knack gets that next opportunity for the Dodgers, um, and I would uh, I think I'd like to see that.
1: Our final question, Josh, comes from Eric Makiso. Hopefully I said that right. The Dodgers have a very challenging start to the second half of the season. They played the likes of the Mets, Orioles, and Rangers all on the road. Then they played the Blue Jays and Reds at home. Mike, My God, that's a brutal schedule. Where do you predict the Dodgers are going to be in the standings after that stretch?
0: Um, I'm going to say they're going to be in first place. Um, That's just going with my gut. They're hot. I know that they got hot kind of at a weird time because, I mean, you look at the Dodgers, they get hot going into the all-star break. Um, and then there's obviously time off. The, the D-backs were kind of the opposite. But, again, you know, they get that time off. Look, I mean, the Mets have been terrible. But still, the Dodgers having to go to New York and and, and play road yeah. games. I mean, they're starting with nine straight road games after the all-star break. The Orioles, however, are really good. They've won 54 games. Yeah. Like, They've won five straight games. They just swept the Twins on the road. Granted, the Twins, sure, maybe they were in uh, in first place in their division. They're not anymore. They're a half a game back. But they are also uh, – they were the first-place team in by far the worst division in baseball. Um, so they were what should be, you know, maybe a third-place team in some divisions, a fourth-place team, and they were in first place in the AL Central. So it is what it is. Um, but Orioles are good. Um, they'd be in first place in the NL West, so – they're a good team. Um, that would be an interesting series. Um, and then Toronto, again, a team that's won 50 games, uh, would be um, would uh, would be in contention for first place in the NL West, and they're in third in the AL East. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough slate immediately going in, um, and that's not even uh, to mention uh, the Rangers, who are also in first place. So you've yeah. got a couple of first-place teams after facing the Mets, but going to City Field is always interesting. So, you know, I'll take – I'll take the Dodgers to to win. What is that? So that's is that nine straight games on the road, and then twelve when you're back home against the Blue Jays. I'll say the Dodgers go above five hundred. I'll go seven and five in that stretch, maybe six and six. But look, you know, like like you mentioned, it's a tough stretch of games yeah. um, to come out after the All Star break. So I think even if that's the case, you'll take it. Um, I don't know who. Uh, who the D-backs are playing right now. I don't want to totally scoreboard watch just yet. Um, I have been doing that a little bit as well, but look, the D-backs come right back in with just as tough of a stretch. They face three consecutive division leaders, or no, two two division leaders and the Blue Jays who could be a division leader, but a couple of 50-win teams right out of the All-Star break. They've got three on the road against Toronto three on the road against the Braves, three on the road against the Reds, and then they go home to face the last place Cardinals. Um, so they're kind of in the same situation as the Dodgers right out of the all-star break with nine straight road games, including a couple of 50 win teams already. So um, it'll be interesting if I'm the Padres, I'm not going to look up the Padres schedule right now yeah. um, because I don't want to do that again, but like if I'm the Padres, like they've played pretty well as of late. Like this is an opportunity for them to kind of close the gap between them and the Giants and the D-backs and the Dodgers. I don't think they really will because I don't think they're that good, and I still think that the D-backs and the Dodgers are going to win some games here, but
1: that's an opportunity for the Giants and the Padres for sure. I mean, the July schedule for the Dodgers is tough, and I even just fast-forwarded to August just a little. They do open up August against the Yays. That's nice. But then you got a road series at San Diego and at Arizona. So the Dodgers' next month stretch... That's going to be extremely difficult. I still think they're going to come out of it in first place just because the D-backs do have a couple of tough opponents like you mentioned. So uh, it's going to be a fun uh, second second, uh, second half kicking things off. All right, Josh, before we wrap things up, we're going to quickly make our own home run derby bracket. I loaded them up on my screen right here. That way I can fill them out for you. That way I know who to put for the certain matchups. That way we don't confuse ourselves because although it's only eight guys, things can get confusing. Things, I mean, with me at the helm, things are always confusing. But, Josh, I'm going to list off the matchups. We'll each go with who we're going to pick. I'll jot him down, and then we'll get to the championship round. All right, Josh, the first one, the 1-8 versus eight seed, Luis Robert Jr. versus Adley Rushman. Who do you got?
0: Well, I don't know if you saw Adley's home run yesterday against the Twins. Dude hit one into the top deck in right field. Unreal. Um, but... For me, I'm still uh, I'm still going Luis Robert. I mean, he's got what he leads baseball in home runs right now. So um I think he's the easy choice for me. Sorry, Adley's not even like top thirty in home runs right now. I think he's got the pop. It could be interesting, but I but I am gonna take uh I am gonna take Luis Robert. He
1: doesn't lead baseball in home runs, but he's got twenty six, so he's tied for thirty. Yeah. So yeah, he's the one seed, obviously Adley Rushman the eight seed, but I'm gonna go with Adley. I'm gonna go with the upset. I think he's got that dog oh. in him. I'll go with Adley. Up next, we got the four seed. Adolis Garcia versus the number five seed, Randy Arosa Um This is one
0: I'm going to go with Adolis Garcia. Um, cause I kind of want to see that second round matchup between him and um, Luis Robert. Um, sorry, Randy. Um, Randy's fun, but I'm going to go with Garcia.
1: I'm going to go with Randy Arosa just cause again, I think he's the guy that has that dog in him. I think he's going to show up. I think he's going to put on a show. So I'm going to go with him there. This one, Josh, is I think, in my opinion, the best one of the first round because that's what we got: number three, Mookie Betts versus the number six seed, Vlad Junior.
0: I like this one because I really like Vlad Junior, too. Um, good young power hitter, but Mookie has been on some next level tear this last right. you know two week stretch going in. Um, the Dodgers have a really poor track record with guys participating in the home run derby, <laughs> they're and they're like going the worst. They're horrible. Yeah, they're horrible. It's not, it's not even that they're necessarily bad in the home run derby. It's that immediately afterwards they go on like a slump. So I'm a little bit worried, but again, it's Mookie. So I'm gonna go with yeah. Mookie in this one against against Vlad Jr. Um and set up a, a very interesting uh second round matchup for for Mookie.
1: When you look at like all the betting numbers, like Vlad Jr., I think I saw something is getting like 90%, 95 percent of the money, which means Mookie's going to advance because of that. I'm going to take Mookie. Yeah, Josh, is it that one's probably the best? Actually, this one is definitely the best. We got, you got Pete Alonzo, a guy that takes this competition more seriously than anyone. This is his Christmas <laughs> against the hometown hero in Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Josh, I I don't know. Like, I don't know. I but know. we got to make a pick. I mean,
0: I've got nothing against Pete Alonzo, but I feel like, I, I mean, I, I'm going to be rooting for Mookie bets, right? But I feel like I'm going to be rooting even harder for Julio just because I think that it would be so fun. And this is going to be a great first-round matchup. But, oh, my I, – I, I'm going to go with Pete Alonso. I don't want to. But, again, like, sure, you've got the hometown guy and he's going to be pumped up and it's going to be great. Like, he's with he's he's in his own ballpark and all that. It's going to be great. But you're going up against a guy who's straight up, you know, lifting before he goes out <laughs> I, to <hit> for- <laughs> I mean I mean – in full uniform like do you remember a
1: couple years ago when there was like that kid shagging balls in center field that straight up like tore his acl and had to get like lifted off the field while pete Alonso was hitting and they just cut to him and he's just like bopping to the music he's like vibing as this kid's out there not able to even stand and it didn't phase pete alonzo so again he's in a different element uh Josh, I, did you even? I, did you say who you're picking? I, I hope, <laughs> I, I, I hope
0: <laughs> I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm taking Pete Alonso.
1: It's tough to go against him, but I think Julio's going to have that crowd backing him up. I think he's going to ride the wave. So I'm going to go with Julio. All right, Josh, we'll wrap things up. You got in your semis. You got Luis Robert against Garcia. The one four. Who do you got advancing to the championship? I'm going to take Garcia
0: in the upset here. Um, okay for the sole reason why why is cuz i i i i want to see it <laughs> um that's that's kind of the direction i'm going with it um i mean slugging percentage and and home runs uh, um luis roberts got him beat but i mean 23 home runs a 517 slugging for garcia i mean it's not that different from from robert and i think that i'm just going to go with him because i want to see the upset
1: all right. I'm going to go with because I got Adley Rushman versus Randy Orozarena. I'm going to go with Randy Orozarena advancing to the championship. All right, Josh, you got Mookie Betts versus Pete Alonso who goes to the title. It's really tough. I feel like
0: I, I feel like I have to go with Pete Alonso because because he's just like this is this is his Christmas, man. Like I I'm going to go with Pete. I I let me just say I, not only do I think Mookie could win this round if these two matched up, but I I really do think Mookie Betts could win the whole thing. I I, I sincerely believe that um, because he's just got this sneaky pop. But I'm gonna go with Pete Alonso. Um, I think that is the safe pick. But but again, I'm not trying to go against Mookie Betts for any reason because I, I really do think he could win the whole thing. But I'm but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pete Alonso.
1: All right, and I'm going to go with Julio Rodriguez over Mookie Betts to go to my championship. So, Josh, oh my gosh. I got Randy Rosarena versus Julio, the 5 versus 7. You got Adelise Garcia versus Pete Alonso, the 2 versus the 4. Who do you got coming out on top? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Pete Alonso. I mean, again, like, I
0: just... It's every year. It's like last year, I I remember you and I were probably texting, but we were like texting like, oh my gosh, like, like Shohei just hit like a bomb. Or this was uh, 2021 when when Shohei was warming up or in the first round, it was like, oh my God, like he's just killing him. But then I just had this feeling like I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Pete Alonso. And, you know, he's won, he's won two of the last three I think he's going to win his third in the last four home run derbies this year. Just because yeah. just, just cause I mean, no one's going to take it as seriously as him. Even his little photo in the T-Mobile bracket here looks like he's like, I'm, I'm here to play. He's, like I'm looking at it up right now. M- <laughs> his matchup with Mookie, like Mookie's smiling, like, Hey, I'm ready to hang out. Like we're going to have a good time. And Pete Alonso is like, I don't care who you are. I'm going to crush you in route to my third home run derby title. Like, so I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with, with Pete Alonso.
1: You also have to remember, Josh, Pete Alonso did lose last year. So he's he probably still pissed off of losing last year. He's probably gonna have to squat some more, do some more of those uh calf raises, or whatever he was doing. Yeah, I got Julio, Randy Rosarina, I got Julio winning as the hometown kid. I think there is something in regards to momentum, and he's gonna have it playing in front of his home crowd. So I got Julio winning it all. Josh, I, I get that they do these seedings based on home run totals. But they they need to redo it. They, they need to redo it because these matchups are awful. But that yeah. is wrap up this week's edition of Inside the Ravine. Joining me again, Josh Schaefer. Thanks for chiming in from uh, where again, in Minnesota, Josh?
0: Uh, Hackensack, Minnesota. Also in Hackensack,
1: as, Minnesota. Um, as the loon says, our special hideaway for special friends. <laughs> So, there you go. The special hideaways for special friends. Again, make sure to follow us on social media, whatever app you guys use. Just find us there at Inside the Ravine. We're on Spotify, Apple, and the Odyssey app. But for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Enjoy your all star break, and we will see you in the second half. So, enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.